Hello, I'm Anna Bogutke. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is The Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Constance enlists Violet's assistance with Tate and Ben helps a new patient confront his fears. So this is a chunky episode. <sighs> things. Things yeah. happen. This is, I remembered the why, why I, f- I feel a little bit weird about this season in, in comparison to the other seasons. And I think it's mostly because of this episode. <laughs> but we, oh, we can get into it. We start the episode in now classic American Horror Story fashion with a flashback, in this case to 1994. And we find out why in the previous episodes the zombie cast of Riverdale was tormenting Tate. And that's because when he was alive, he massacred his high school classmates. So this this is the opening scene. And I... I remember the the feeling that I had when I watched it for the first time when it was originally airing, but if I was impressed with how somber this take on an incredibly sensitive subject, I think especially for American audiences is. Yeah, I think what I because I never watched it as it was airing I was always watching it you know a few years behind um a few years after sorry and and I think that's why I I have always felt very weird about this scene because I've always been watching it in the context of like a time in which this stuff is is way more sensitive way more sort of in our, our consciousness which I know I've, I've talked about before on the podcast but I, I agree that I think thinking back to 2011 and the world that we lived in at that point I think yeah it does seem like pretty res- like a pretty respectful approach considering what American Horror Story is and like respectful does not really go <laughs> with American Horror Story most of the time and the fact that we're actually watching them do a scene sort of with full sincerity and like full commitment to to the the yeah. true horror of it. And I find it really interesting that this is also the first time that we actually see Tate alive. Like we actually had not seen him as a human being before. We've always, you know, our whole experience so far of the series has been of Tate as a ghost that's trapped in this house, but we'd never seen him as a human being. And he's, and I think there's a lot of um, credit to this weird type of performer that Evan Peters is, that he is suddenly truly scary. You know, we've made a lot of fun about him being kind of a soft boy and all that stuff, but here he genuinely looks like a murderer. Yeah, it it, it seems like two different characters almost. Mm. It is really, and I think that's sort of part of, Violet's experience during this episode is trying to connect the Tate who did this unthinkable thing and the Tate that that she sees before her who is yeah the soft boy and the the Kurt Cobain emo like yeah he's a little dark but you know he's just a bit kooky 
So she goes to the to the school library to find out more about what happened. And I think especially there she she gets to meet the librarian. He was the librarian, right? They didn't really specify that, yeah. but I guess he was in the library. Uh, this librarian who we saw in the flashback, who was the one who tried to try to stop Tate, um, was injured. Was uh, he uses a wheelchair now, and and she sort of has this confrontation with the teacher where she is just trying to to connect the dots and she's just trying to go i'm just trying to understand like was he being bullied did something happen like what what is he like at school like she's so desperate to reveal this sort of information like there'll be some sort of piece of information that will completely absolve him and then it will be fine and she'll be like well now he understands it's great i can go back to being his girlfriend and it's sort of the the futileness of that because the librarian's just like, hey, sometimes shit happens. It's interesting because, you know, the way that we've seen Tate through his relationship with Violet, and there's a scene as well here in this episode where she's she's not having a great time. She's quite depressed. She's um, borderline suicidal and she's self-harming. And Tate is this figure of protection for her. You know, he tries to stop her from hurting herself. But when she finds out and what he did it's it's quite um it's it's quite a hit i think for her character because suddenly this one person who is good to her is this reviled murderer and she's so desperately trying to explain why he would do that yeah and it is like this pure cognitive dissonance for her. I think that's, yeah, yeah, I guess that's what she's experienced is like cognitive dissonance mm. because as well, you know, we're kind of getting the hint that maybe this this massacre wasn't just him doing it and that something else had sort of influenced his actions and so I think that's also coming into it because she's trying to understand what part of this this person who did this thing is the Tate that she knows what part is a Tate that she doesn't know and what part is something like something else <laughs> something yeah yeah something very very evil which you know we know that evil things do be going on <laughs> in the murder house and here is kind of one of the the key I guess drivers of the series uh, so far is that we get told that Tate doesn't actually know that he is dead yeah which I don't like I don't quite know whether that pans out you know there's there's been so many instances where he is kind of aware of his special ghost powers I guess you know he's aware of his limitations and I don't I don't fully buy that he doesn't know that he's dead. I do buy that he sort of doesn't remember how he died or what he did when he was alive. That he's sort of, you know, just grasping at the things and at the feelings that he had when he was alive, you know, like this high school sucks and all of this, but he is I think fully aware that he is dead, but did you did you kind of 
even in this episode, I kind of get the sense that we're being told that her Violet's mission is now to show Tate that he's actually deceased. and But actually, he kind of behaves like he already knows that he's a ghost. Well, I guess I, it's interesting. It reminded of, I mean, can I... <laughs> is it okay to give spoilers for a movie that came out in 2001 that I think everyone already knows the ending to? I don't know if you know which movie I'm talking about. Are you talking about The Others? Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen okay. The Others, turn off now <laughs> for a second because... Uh, because obviously this is very similar parallel narrative to the others, which is about uh, a woman who spends, you know, a two hours runtime thinking that she's being haunted by ghosts. And then it's like, boom, you're actually the ghost. And I think it's interesting because in that movie, there are so many things that are unexplained and it's like, how is this happening and she blames it on somebody else. So I could imagine that Tate is doing something similar, that whatever strange occurrences are happening in his life, whatever sort of things aren't lining up, matching up, he's going, oh, it's the house. It's like something else. It's some other spooky. Because I'm sure he's, we sort of see that he's aware that there are spooky things at the house <laughs> and the house is very much haunted. So he's probably going, oh no, it's the other ghosts. It's the other ghosts. They're doing that. I'm not a ghost. I'm totally fine. I'm alive even though I never go anywhere except for on Halloween. <laughs> I, but I guess like the realization, and this is a huge thing in the others, it's like actually having to come to the realization that you are deceased, you have died, that is it, your life is over, is like so impossible to process that you would mm. you would just be in this complete loop of denial and would just mm. anything weird you because in the others she she goes to the forest and she like sees her spooky husband and it's like well obviously something is wrong here and she just doesn't question it because that would yeah. involve having to question what happened to her <laughs> that's such a good comparison it's a good moment i think to bring up the fact that this episode and this particular kind of explanation of ghost politics is the first introduction of Sarah Paulson into the AHS canon. So she comes onto the scene, introduced by Constance, playing Billy Dean Howard, a medium. And I just want to talk a little bit about that scene because it is just so juicy. Because we meet her and Constance introduces Billy Dean to Violet. And it's sort of a moment of laying out their cards on the table and trying to get Violet to play ball with them and help Tate. But also it's this moment of Billy Dean playing into so many different medium in a horror movie tropes. Namely, I think she reminded me a lot um, of, of the medium in Poltergeist. Yes. And that sort of kind of proving herself. Or in um, Insidious as well. You know, that's sort of like, I'm going to prove to you that I am one of the real ones. Yeah. And just traumatize you real quick, and then we can get back to business. Yeah, like, there's a sort of a, a huge, there's callousness there, because she would just, like, drop the, hey, if that was, I'm guessing that's her grandmother, the Mary that she's talking about, the older mm. lady. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to drop your grandma into conversation. <laughs> just uh like flex that's like a spiritual flex <laughs> um yeah 
And I love that she is kind of so awful, (laughs) that character. She She really is. (laughs) She's talking about her lifetime pilot, which we kind of (sighs) is clever because to go for, you know, for further down in the seasons that that might return in some capacity. Uh, So I I liked (laughs) that little tiny bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. And, you know, her and Constance just have this great uh, repartee where they're both sort of awful, but uniquely talented in their own ways. And I just, you know, just having this like casual, you know, wine and smoking cigarettes and just talking about uh, gossip, but also, you know, having to deal with the burden of, you know, a lifetime of ghosts and dealing with the undead. And the fact that they're the best of friends because they have this, like, insane, Mm. uh, venomous relationship. I sort of like that aspect. Like, there are very few people who seem to be on Constance's level. And and Mm -hmm. Billy Dean is one of them. (laughs) Because she is. They're just such truly terrible, wonderful, delicious women. (laughs) Beautiful. And then we get a... Another instance of the sitcom within American Horror Story Murder House, which is Ben Harmon, Terrible Therapist. (laughs) So Ben, in the previous episode, has been kicked out of his house by his wife. He comes back because he needs to do his sessions with his clients in his office. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Like, I, I see a side of it. Like, he's not going to meet his patients in whatever motel he's staying in. That would be very suspicious for whoever's turning up. So <laughs> I, 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 I kind of, I know I'm, it's very weird to be agreeing with Ben Harmon, but I'm going to give him so this single one thing he is allowed. <laughs> because, like, it's for both of them. Like, it's money for both. It, the suggestion is that she's going to get some of this money, right? Because mm-hmm. he's, she's still gonna get, I don't know, in the divorce settlement or something. So he's, he's earning money f- for kind of both of them together. So, I don't know. I feel like it's fair. So we meet Ben and in a session with one of his clients, new client. Well done, Ben, expanding his um client base, and it's a man called Derek who's played by Eric Stone Street who is mostly known for playing Cameron on Modern Family. And this is a massive, like, mahusive departure for the sort of character that we're used to seeing him play. You know, it's this, a man crippled by his fear of urban legends, which is, I guess, kind of sort of funny to a degree because he is so terrified of anything to do with an urban legend that he like doesn't look at himself in the mirror can't sleep can't relate to people and it's just a fountain of knowledge of legends like the candy man bloody mary the lady in white and the one that uh we get created for ahs is the legend of piggy man all kind of the same this is my thing with him (laughs) is he's scared of the same thing because the candy man bloody mary and piggy man are all things that if you look in the mirror and you say their name three times they appear Mm -hmm. so i feel like he's just scared of mirrors right (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like he's not scared of urban legends because he'd be scared of like the hook guy who hooks into your car when you're like on a date he'd be scared of the guy who pins the dog to your ceiling <laughs> like why are they just urban legends but specifically the ones that are in the mirror and you also have to actively summon them by saying the name three like come on man i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of uh, Ben's therapy methods with with Derek? I guess like I I see where they are rooted in real psychology because he's basically doing immersion therapy by saying, "Look, just go in front of the mirror and say the name three times." It's the same as like I don't know what do they do for bees? Do they just stick your hand in a hive or something? I don't know because <laughs> I am really really scared of bees and I don't know. Uh, hence why I've never seen Candy Bed <laughs> and I stay away from that. <laughs> if you're scared of bees, I think they make you watch the, the Nicolas Cage version of The Wicker Man. Oh yeah, I love that movie, but I do have to like look away during the bee scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, how about you? I don't know. I don't I've no uh, knowledge in psychotherapy. <laughs> I mean neither do I, but I do find Ben quite judgmental sometimes with his clients. Like, he, I mean, he is a terrible therapist with established that. But the fact that he sort of like forces Derek in his bathroom, which is full of ghosts, and makes him turn off the light. I was like, why? Why did you make him turn off the light? That just seems a bit much. That's true. Because usually in immersions to therapy, it's step by step, isn't it? Or do they sometimes just yeah. go full way? Because wouldn't it be like, here's one B two bees three bees and then it just goes until you've got like maximum bees um so yeah i would feel like do it with a hand mirror then with the mirror but yeah. the lights are on and also who's it, who's standing in their bathroom with the lights off all the time i feel yeah, like yeah exactly that's just weird yeah <laughs> and, i mean i guess this 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 storyline is quite small so we might as well finish it off and you know it's it kind of meets a terrible end because Derek goes back to his house and tries to get over his fear by himself, looking at himself in the mirror, and he says Piggy Man three times. And then he gets shot in the head by a burglar. <laughs> Which, I don't know if the implication was that if he was still scared of Piggy Man, he would have been fine. Because I guess the robber says, oh, he called me Piggy. <laughs> I had to shoot him. Yeah. It just... It... I think this this whole storyline just seems to me like a, a reason to have that single shot of a 19th century butcher like wearing a pig's head. Yeah, which again is re that's re that's just recycled at another point in this show. And I won't say what season. Mm -hmm. But and it's not even Piggy Man, it's like a different Piggy Man. So we, there's like two Piggy Men in this universe. It's a thing. It's a thing. That will become a whole nother thing, but no spoilers. Yeah, didn't say what season um, could be any of them. Piggy Man could yeah. come at any time. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. I just have to I just have to bring it up again. But Vivian and Ben's relationship at this point is just dead. Like their hatred for one another, especially Vivian kind of is aggressively in Ben's face. Like I did not remember the scene at all, but one of my most 
officially hated scenes from this season just like made me cringe and I had to rewind it just to make sure that I had not imagined it was when they Ben and Vivian go to the obstetrician and the doctor asks him oh are you the are you the father and he I wrote this down it just makes me see I also wrote it and he just goes yes I'm the daddy and the camera like zooms in on his face I was like, you did not just say those fucking words, Ben Harmon. You did not. I'm the daddy. And honestly, <sighs> he says it who tells pride. the doctor? <laughs> who tells the doctor while he's like giving an ultrasound to his pregnant estranged wife? Yes, I'm the daddy. Yeah, the baby, it's me, the daddy. I'm here. <laughs> daddy time. <laughs> because <laughs> it's not I think it's not particularly the words that he says because you could just be like oh yes I'm the daddy <laughs> uh, I don't know I've never been a dad no, it's- but it's like the, the confidence and he's like yeah I'm the daddy <laughs> it's the delivery yeah Jesus Christ mm. Like, it, I mean kudos to Dylan for making Ben so utterly hateable yes yeah, you've got to be a really great actor to say I'm the daddy in that way. Yeah. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> we move on back to Violet and she's having quite an intense conversation with the girl who bullied her in the first couple of episodes who yes. is now gone like completely mad. I didn't understand the story that she was talking about. Is that actually is that from the book of Revelations or the Bible or the dragon? The dragon's uh, looking at the lady and she's pregnant. So she so she <laughs> quotes the book of Revelation, but um right. it goes all the deep end. She's just like the devil is real. I've seen the devil. You know, it's all about the devil and the dragon, but it's a dragon. I- trying to eat it's, your baby she, she just goes a little bit um off it but it's interesting that actually what what i think she was bringing on is that she says this line that i wrote down which was like the red dragon hates the woman and declares war on all her children that's us and it's this like you know vague idea around misogyny and kind of like mm. woman being the carrier of all sin and you know Eve being the um, the re- the perpetrator of the original sin, suppose you know if you believe in that, but kind of that's the the mythos. And I love this kind of notion of this girl who has just been completely traumatized by Tate, um, just going off and internalizing all of these very ancient narratives around women womanhood being cursed by god or by the devil and that being passed on by generations you know the fact that every single generation of women will will suffer because of the original sin and i guess that links kind of nicely to another like very very mini storyline which is the awful because constance comes in with with some awful which is like mm-hmm. raw pancreas and what was the other kid kidneys or glands? Little body body things from animals. Yeah. Um, Intestines. Yeah, the grossy oh, things. Oh, brains, brains. Brain, yeah. At one point, brain. 
Um, and so she's giving yeah. all this stuff to Vivian, um, which is sort of reminiscent of Rosemary's Baby, where they keep like feeding her all this raw meat and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that I don't know. I thought that was interesting because obviously, like Rosemary's Baby is also so much about this idea of like very like ancient institutionalized like misogyny going back to the ancient times and yeah that just exactly what you said basically mm. um so i kind of like that little all these like little thematic links are coming together in this episode did you think that this episode in particular kind of harkened back to rosemary's baby quite a lot there's another thing that really reminded me of the film which is when we spoke about vivian and ben kind of getting a an ultrasound before and but the ultrasound technician gets really freaked out and Vivian then tracks her down to ask her what freaked her out and they meet in a church and Angela who is is the technician has also gone off on a sort of you know biblical mad journey and accuses Vivian of carrying the beast like quite literally the plague of nations which i really like that yeah phrase yeah <laughs> i feel like well i feel like the whole pregnancy arc is very sort of rosemary's babyish because i'm really kicking off in this episode when we're starting to get mm-hmm. the implication that yeah there might be something there might be something a bit wrong with the baby or the twins which is what mm. the the doctor reveals in this is that yes there's twins um Basically, I mean, I think this whole arc's just kind of, it is just kind of Rosemary's baby, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, yeah. the whole storyline, basically. <laughs> yeah, and the paranoia and the, yeah, because I think this is when the Rosemary's baby, like, influences are really starting to kick in. Um, mm. And the idea of the sort of slightly sinister looking neighbor coming over and being like, let me help. We, we must protect the baby. And that's what they keep saying. That's what Mora keeps saying is like, the baby, the baby, it's for the good for the baby. Um, mm-hmm. Which is something that they say in Rosemary's Baby a lot. Is they're like, take mm-hmm. these weird herbs, please. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned kind of the, the scene of with Constance uh, bringing the entrails and the offal and all the bits to, to for Vivian to eat. But I think this is the the first point where we see Vivian sort of submitting a bit to that coddling, you know, where she she lets Moira prepare the meat for her. She eats it. You know, she's sort of as someone who's been quite um specific and, you know, she's got her lifestyle and she lives her life her way and she's not, you know, responding to the house in the same way as um, Constant and Moira have. She's sort of a lot more submissive in this episode where she just lets herself be fed, even. I found really creepy. Yeah, she just eats the brain. My favorite bit about the brain eating scene is that she, like, it's like a typical, like, Halloween, like, creepy horror movie brain where it's, like, brain and then, like, loads of blood and, like, blah, blah. and she keeps dipping the brain in the blood like it's, like, a delicious, like, gravy sauce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, mm, yes, oh yeah, just gotta get all the like brain, the brain spices in there, and all the blood and all the platelets. Mm. It's yeah, num, num, num. it's a great sort of, it's such a great, creepy sort of, I don't know, over completely over the top scene. It reminded me a lot of that also great brain eating scene in Hannibal, you know, the sequel to, The Silence of the Lambs, where we get 
um, Hannibal Lecter feeding a person his own brain. I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen Hannibal for for personal name related reasons. I saw Silence of the Lambs and it was too much and I stopped <laughs> and I couldn't deal with it. Which literally we were just speaking about before this podcast about how much you love that movie and I'm sorry. <laughs> I struggle, but I will trust you that that's what happens. It is a thing that happens and uh, there is also some dipping of the brain in brain juice. Um, and feeding it back to the person whose brain Hannibal had just cut off, cut out. Oh, it's a spectacular scene. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Constance has been quite um, present throughout the entire series so far, but this is not a very Constance-heavy episode. But we do get a really potent scene with her and Billy Dean again, where she manages to talk to Addie through Billy Dean. And what did you make of it, of that exchange? I mean, this is the most vulnerable we see Constance. I mean, it's just this moment of like, all her walls are down. I guess because Billy Dean is maybe like one of the only people she trusts on the planet Mm. and will allow some to show some vulnerability towards. Um, And yeah, just like all the walls come down. And, and everything comes out and, you know, she says, you know, I love you. Like, I'm sorry that I didn't get to say that while you were alive. Like, you're you're the prettiest girl I've ever met. Is that what she says? And it's, uh, <laughs> it's making me sad talking about it. It's yeah. a really sad, like, beautifully written and acted scene from both of them. Like, yeah. powerhouses together. And I'd like to shout out Sarah Paulson's single tear that rolls down her cheek as this scene is happening. Just give an Oscar to that tear. That's why she's the best. She is. um, It is a very earnest episode, I think, all in all. And we get another really intense scene where Violet, who has been quite bratty and moody and trying to make sense of a lot of things, trying to make sense of Tate, and her relationship with him, dealing with her, frankly, deeply unlikable parents this whole episode. And she tries to commit suicide and she takes a bunch of pills. And we see Tate save her. It's a really like kind of psychologically intense moment for Violet because mm-hmm. like she's being saved by the last person that she wants to see or be near at the moment and you really Mm. kind of read that in her face and her body language and it's Mm. sort of like I don't know I find that scene so uncomfortable because he sort of dragged her in the bath and he's like putting the shower over and then he starts kissing her neck and it's just like very I don't know non-consensual I mean obviously like the life-saving was not going to be consensual but like the the entire situation and she she's so sort of unable to to do anything or have any power like she is at her most powerless in this very moment and uh yeah Mm. i don't know but it made me very uncomfortable to preface that in this throughout this episode as she's trying to figure him out and piece information about him that he's not volunteering or able to volunteer she you know he's being very intense you know this is like he's leaving messages on her 
blackboard in her room with like I love you in big bold letters you know she's being yeah. very like red flag <laughs> don't be depressed I'm here we can be together forever and just hate high school together in the basement you know he's being real intense and it feels like she you know between Kate and the realization that her boyfriend so far has been a the ghost of a murderer and it's her parents and all of the shit that's happening to her this suicide attempt feels like this you know not the solution for any of her problems for sure but also this one desperate attempt to regain some sort of semblance of control of her over her life like you were talking about before even that is sort of interrupted by Tate or invaded by Tate yeah it's like it's very strange to put the fact that he saves her life in like a negative light because obviously it's not he he saved her life but it it, it is there is something about the whole way that scene is staged and and the way that yeah he's trying to turn us into like some like romantic like I'm your prince charm you know this is Snow White um, you know Sleeping Beauty Mm. and and yeah. I think it's the fact that, that like he is always in her room. The fact that because he's a fucking ghost, he can just appear wherever she is. Yeah. It's so invasive. It's like even if you love your boyfriend, you don't want him to be like just always <laughs> turning up out of the blue. You know? Yeah. <laughs> nobody nobody wants that, even if you're in like the most amazing, wonderful relationship nobody Mm. would want a boyfriend that just like magically appears out of nowhere like hi hang out with me right now (laughs) (laughs) and it's also you know ironic to a degree that we also see that Tate uh commits suicide by cop when he is apprehended and we see that his room was violet's room what used to be Tate's room Mm. and he died in that room and it's when he, the cops arrive at his house after he's massacred and committed, you know, after he's um, committed a massacre in his high school, the cops come to his house and he taunts them and he basically commits suicide by forcing them to shoot him, to shoot him. And I somehow kind of found that very, you know, kind of really know how to call it there is something iffy about it in the sense of sort of Tate trying to correct his own mistakes through Violet yeah I think their whole relationship is like there is some like deep psychological drive like it's not just that Tate loves Violet there's obviously something else like he's obviously trying to I don't know, like get something out of her, like find some sort of like mm. peace with her, um, you know, try and absolve his guilt through her. And like, that's why it's, it's gotten to this level of intensity where he's writing, I love you on, on mm. the blackboard. So the episode ends when Tate saves Violet and they sort of curl up on, on her bed and fall asleep. And he's again all over the place with like, I love you, I love you, I love you. And not to not to be crass, but I did start thinking when he was like, oh, I'm so tired. Let's sleep. I was like, can ghosts get tired? I would feel like ghosts would just be always tired. 
right? How so? I'd imagine that's what it's like being a ghost. Because you expended all your energy being alive. It's like your body wasn't prepared to be also like doing stuff after you're dead. So I'd imagine it's like you'd be really groggy all the time because you'd be like, ugh, why am I not in heaven? (laughs) 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 I imagine being a ghost is perpetually like, you know, when you wake up at 3 a.m. to to go to the bathroom and you have just like the world at that point is what it's like being a ghost all the time. That's incredibly profound. Hmm? Well, they should let me write American Horror Story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is the gold I mean, they're missing out on <laughs> this has been a pretty heavy episode so let's like lighten it up with our top quotes Ooh. okay yes I've got one what's your favorite <laughs> this is from Billy Dean the dead can hold a grudge better than most oh Scorpios Oh my god, that's the one that I was gonna pick, but oh. please say it. Sorry, interrupted you. <laughs> okay, well, you, I you need to have your chance to you to do your delivery of it. I feel like as well. Okay, okay, but you go, you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll do. Okay, we'll do competing, <laughs> competing deliveries. <laughs> the dead can hold a grudge better than most Scorpios. Such a great line. <laughs> <laughs> my brain just automatically went, "Oh, bird Scorpios." I, that was my number one, but my number two, which I also loved, and it has to be the delivery as well, is when Angela tells Vivian, and she's freaked out as fuck about what Vivian is carrying in her in her belly. And she's like, I saw the little hooves. <laughs> this has been a hoof-heavy season. <laughs> it really has. The little hooves. It oh, just killed hooves. me. Because she she just like leans in. He's like, I saw the little hooves. <laughs> oh, Which can. is that the only thing she saw? Or was there more? Did it have like little horns and a little tail? Or she just she like, did not specify baby. Just hoof baby. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been like, ma'am, who is the father? I'm the daddy. I'm the daddy. A deer bursts in. I'm the daddy. <laughs> sorry. Nope. No bestiality jokes. I'm very sorry, everyone. I'm really sorry. Back it up. <laughs> Never mind. Should we do it? Well, Something else. MVP of the episode. Let's do that because there's no yes. butts in this one. So we can't have any there naked is no men. Butts. What's your MVP of the episode? I feel like everyone just has a horrible time in this episode. That's fairly accurate. Yeah. Maybe the baby. I'm going to say Billy Dean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she, she is awful, but so great. She just waltz in, can speak to the dead, freaks out Violet, makes Constance be earnest and honest and cry. True, but her nail polish is vulgar, according to (laughs) Constance. Oh my god! I'm just (laughs) quoting what Constance said. We don't even see her nails, so I can't even make a judgment. But yeah, but then she has the best retort where she was like. Don't take it out of me because your dead daughter is mad at you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, okay, Which yeah. Which is also a great You line. are 100% correct. She is the MVP. <laughs> and then what is the insensitive historical reference of the week? Okay, this is quite a deep deep dive. But um, yeah. when the, I can't remember his name, the guy, the piggy man guy, the man who's scared of the piggy man. Derek. 
Derek, sorry. When when Derek is describing the legend of the piggy man, he mentions that he was a butcher at the 1893 World's Fair, which was also the World's Fair the same year that the famous serial killer H.H. H. Holmes was operating, who is the subject of that book, Devil in the White City, that Martin Scorsese was yes. meant to make at some point. Um, <laughs> yes. And also, I'm again, so happy you bring that up. Comes up in a later season of American Horror Story. I don't know what it is with this episode that it's just like just setting up things they're going to recycle in the future but um that is the connection well i don't think this is totally accurate but the the legend is that he he had like a murder house and it had like loads of traps and tunnels and things that he could push bodies down in the walls i think we've covered everything for this episode what can we expect from the next episode of ahs well, Moira persuades a prospective buyer to make an offer for the house. Constance and Larry work against her efforts. Vivian and Luke grow closer. Let's just clarify. Luke is the hot security officer. Yes. I think this is the first time he gets a name, so that's exciting. Character development. Character development is receiving <laughs> a name. A first name, not a last name. Receiving a first name. <laughs> We'll be back next Wednesday dissecting another episode of American Horror Story Murder House. In the meantime, please send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. Bye. I'm the daddy. Oh my god, I was just going to say <laughs> Sorry, I stole your thunder. <laughs> no, I was thinking it was like, how many times can I say daddy on this fucking I'm episode? Daddy. Like, it's going to become a thing. <laughs> I'm the daddy. Oh, Who's the daddy? He's the daddy. He Ben Harmon is not the daddy. <laughs> <laughs>